Hello and welcome to In the Back Room. I'm Mr. Shank. And I'm Mr. Woods. And we're going to be talking about Mesopotamia today. But before we start, Mr. Woods, would you like to start us off with our... <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll leave us off with our pledge. Uh, Temende calsa es nascere. Wow, that's the cue to begin. Mm, All right. Wonderful. So we're talking about Mesopotamia and we're really just moving... We talked about the Hebrews in the last episode, and we're just moving northeast. I don't know how many. We're not going to get into how many miles again away from it. Yeah, is, let's we'll not start do, that. We'll do like between two and 400 <laughs> miles distance-wise between Canaan and Mesopotamia, but you're basically just moving northeast. Yes. And meso means middle, and Potamia is river correct? Yes, yes. Greek? Okay. Yes, a little bit of Greek in there. Mesopotamia. Yes. So it's the land between two rivers, and the two rivers we'll talk about here shortly. Not to be confused with Hippopotamoi. Hippopotamoi. Uh, yeah, the hippopotamus. Hippo is horse, Potomoy is river, so a hippopotamus is a river horse. River horse. Ah, yeah. okay, that's a fat river horse. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, developing of civilizations. The nickname often gives the earliest as these cradles of civilization. So you, I don't know if they can see it on the map, but the Tigris and Euphrates are the rivers we're talking about. And it's, I'm still curious. Kind of a purple. Why, are they, is that like a dark? Purple, yeah. yeah. I'm still curious why Tigris and Euphrates and the Mesopotamia area developed first rather than the Nile River, considering yeah, it came because from. When, when you see a date, like I was, I was actually looking at this today. So I think they put... Um, Mesopotamia at like 3200 BC or somewhere right thereabouts. And then Egypt is like 28. But so, I mean, you're 400 years difference. But the other end of that is, you know, what do you consider civilization? Yeah, because there's there's a whole set of, of pharaohs or, or kings, at least before Menes in Egypt, the, the pre-dynastic Egypt. Yeah. Because um, obviously he was conquering somebody. So that begs the question of like, all right, so did they, uh, do they just not count? Are they not a civilization? Did they not have all of the, the little qualifications like a written language or, um, you know, architecture and art or what, you know, what, what didn't they have? What were they missing? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if maybe, maybe it's just that the, the Tigris and Euphrates river valleys were the first to kind of check all the boxes, but, but I know that goes back and forth because it wasn't like, it wasn't always, stated that that the Tigris and Euphrates were first for a long time Egypt was first and then so I don't know maybe the more the more digging they do the, the more it changes yeah. but you can't do any digging in Egypt right now unless you're I think unless you're actually Egyptian um, the Egyptian government has kind of like staved off further archaeological digs at the moment and I, I think that was in response to no, no, no. Before that, I think it was in response to ISIS kind of destroying uh, a lot of the artifacts. They didn't want to risk any of that. So they kind of, there's that one, there's one guy who's a like really famous Egyptologist and I'm going to look him up on my phone so I don't disappear. Uh, I have him on Twitter, but he's, um, his name has a I mean, it's just like weird. Like I get, I don't say I get why, but I, like, I understand why they're destroying it. You know, they're trying to destroy anything that is, you know, pagan religion essentially anything that's not islam but it because they only but like going back in time like that and destroying like old 
like religions yeah, that I mean stuff really that clearly follow. nobody's actually practicing anymore. Right. You know, it would be like maybe me going and saying that, you know, Apex or saying Apex is the best game ever and I'm going to destroy all the other old games from like the Atari age yes. to like No more Doom, Atari. no more Pong. Only <laughs> yeah. Apex is allowed like, to exist. Okay. Good luck with uh, that. So that guy's name is Zahi Hawass. Um, he is a Egyptologist, archaeologist, and former minister of the state of antiquities affairs in Egypt. Um, Good for him. But he's he's actually Egyptian. He's the one that's usually on the documentaries wearing like the Indiana Jones hat. Oh, the he has like the scarf and he's like bald. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He's pretty good. Yep. I know yeah, about. he is solid. He is solid. But I know he still does some stuff like relative within the last year um, yeah i know i've seen so i think they're allowed to dig like internally their people but but not outsiders hmm. yeah i think i saw some recent stuff that people were maybe I think he might have been in that i don't know they found some i will talk about when we talk about modification and so forth but let's talk about the development of these civilizations you know mm -hmm. the cradle of civilization for whatever reason the classification it starts in mesopotamia but at the same time or around the same time you have civilizations popping up in Egypt around rivers like the Nile. You know, we'll eventually talk about in the next episode, um, which would be episode four right now. Correct? Am I right on that? We have four? Yeah. Why? We did uh, early man one, and then we did Egypt two, and then three. Hebrews. So yes, yeah, four. four. The only reason we're saying this is because we were <laughs> two years ago and we kind of like, I had to renumber everything. So this is like the Kings of England were episode four and 14 yep. at the same time. <laughs> so next episode is four. So for future reference. So, but they'll develop around rivers in India and rivers in China, which we will get to, but humans, and we talked about this before, they're not going to, you know, try to start a civilization in a desert. They're going to do it by a river because it's easier to live by a river than it is in a desert. So, yeah. So always cuddle up next to the river if possible. Yes, make sure it's fresh water. Yes. Many yes. students for many years believe that you can just drink salt water. And it'll be fine. Everything's hunky dory. Actually, dehydrate yeah. quicker. Just an FYI. So I, think, I think, isn't that that's like one of the leading causes of like death at sea is not actually, well, I don't say leading causes, but, but like for people who are shipwrecked. Like you just end up drinking the salt water and dying from dehydration faster. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the most ironic thing. Water, water everywhere, but not a drop of drink. Mm -hmm. So, but moving on. Uh, well, the area we're talking about, I guess, is modern day, the Middle East. So if you've heard of the Middle East, mm -hmm. this is basically the area at which we are talking about. Yep. So to put that in reference, you know, Iraq, Iran, uh, Syria, that area. Mm -hmm. But we'll talk first about who are the first people to live in this area and start the first civilization. Is it the first Mesopotamian civilization or should we just classify them as the first ever civilization? I mean, I guess in, in theory, they would be the first ever civilization. But right? so do you know about Go, uh, Gobekli Tepe? No. So Gobekli Tepe is about 6,000 years old. It's in Turkey. And it, it definitely like upends everything about what we think about the civilization because mm -hmm. they, they check all the boxes with like okay. what it means to be a civilization. And for whatever reason, like, I don't know if it's just like 
they don't want to change the history books, but it should be considered. Well, I mean, that's even like when you think about some of those Neolithic, like like Chital Hayok or, or Jericho, like those are Neolithic sites where they had farming, they had cities or early cities. So what's, you know, yeah, when, when does it, when do we quantify it as a civilization exactly? Because those categories don't necessarily fit that bill either. Right. Yeah. I sent you the... Yeah, I'm going to pull that uh, up. I'd never heard. Well, I almost feel like you might have. I almost feel like not. I th almost feel like I heard about it from you. Did you learn about this when you were over there, or uh, um, like when you were I had, I had heard about it when I was over there, but I didn't. I didn't explore it or anything. Mm -hmm. And then I did um, a little more like research into it, and I was like, oh, well, that's kind of different than we teach. And you know, that's the one thing too. There's history seems like it's very you know concrete but it's very like ambiguous and it's ever-changing you know new information is found and uh, our interpretation what we think we know we don't really know because we just kind of take the best of evidence that we find you know it could be something that maybe we come all humans come from antarctica we just haven't unearthed anything in antarctica yet we find you know, humans have been around for a million years and they started in Antarctica as opposed to 400,000 years ago, which we yeah, kind it's, of so it's really that detective game that's trying to piece together what you have and figure out, you know, your best guess at least of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So the Sumerians are the first Mesopotamian civilization or the first civilization as far as we know. And we're talking around the year 3200 BC, so mm -hmm. 3200 years before Christ. And I had to explain this to my class that they're not using BC. Like no one at this time right. is using BC. Anytime that there's a BC range, no one's using it because we have coined it so we can better categorize time because we base our time frame off of Jesus. No one's saying in the year of 3200 BC, hey, I can't wait till 3200 years when Jesus Christ will be born and we can worship somebody that I don't even know exists yet. It doesn't right, right. And then like the, I was market is like it's not even about changing like the the bc to bce like for these people they were most likely I, if, if egypt for example i know for a fact measured in years of the rule of a specific pharaoh mm. you know so this is the the fifth year of the third pharaoh of the 18th dynasty's reign and so that's how you categorize time and the, the romans did something similar it's like the third year in the reign of xyz emperor yeah um you know, so that's just that's how you because you didn't need to know, you know, if you're the average person, you don't need to know about something you know, that happened 500 years ago. You're focused on, you know, where's my bread going to come from today that I'm going to hopefully be able to eat? You yeah. know, I mean, it's not it's not we think much more long range in terms of, of our understanding than people. We have more time in to ancient stop times. Those too. things now that like things are taken care of for us. And yeah. That's kind of what I was discussing with my class uh, last week is that, you know, technology is something that we strive so hard to make more time for ourselves, free time. So we can, in that free time, we can think of more ways to free up more time. <laughs> so it's true. It's yeah. self-defeating almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's but it, it, it is because it's when things are so easy, then you don't grow and you don't strengthen, you know, and it's just, it's just interesting to think where we're going to be, you know, and, 10 years, 20 years from now, the way the, yeah. way the way technology is advancing. But um, Sumerians started out with city states. And Mr. Was it what exactly is a city state? 
Yeah, I was actually explaining this to my class today. So so here's how here's how I have explained it. Now we're up here, up here in the, the great northern well middle middle state, I guess technically Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Near Pittsburgh. So this is how I explained it, right? Yeah, so a, yep. a a <laughs> I'll get my Pittsburgh knees out. <laughs> so so a uh, so we we misconstrue the term state here in the United States because we're in a unique situation where we think of that as just a part of our country. Um, but for everywhere else in the world, a state is the country itself. You have the state of China or the state of Taiwan, maybe, depending. Uh, the state of Israel, the state of Italy, etc. Uh, so we are actually like 50 teeny tiny countries all smushed together under one overarching confederacy of the federal government. Uh, so we all work together and the federal government leads us all in a, a similar direction, but uh, I mean, every state has its own governing bodies, its own laws. So in essence, they are by themselves countries. And so that's where the term states and statehood comes from. So then to back that out further, these city states are, are cities that operate that way. They operate as independent countries. So the, the, the Sumerian people were the Sumerian people, no matter whether they lived in or, or Nippur or uh, Lagash or wherever. They, they were culturally the same. They're going to have the same, um, uh, the same language, uh, the same ethnicity across the board, probably uh, overall the same religion that they may highlight different gods as more significant to their city. Overall, it's the same, but it's a difference like Pittsburgh and Cleveland, right? Essentially they're all Americans. They all probably worship to the same spectrum of religious beliefs Mm -hmm. uh ethnically and racially they're probably roughly the same i would i would be willing to bet the same uh spectrum and, and averages uh, or at least close so economically the same maybe yeah I, i'd be willing to bet economically the same too because that that's pretty well distributed it but is. they hate one another over sports teams <laughs> right something so trivial but but you will see cars flipped and and stuff set on fire that's over right. sports teams that's basically the differences that you're looking at with these city states, right? So basically everything about the people inhabiting them is the same, except they have rivalries with one another over some minor triviality. That's a good way of putting it. I like that. Yeah. That makes, I mean, hopefully that makes sense to them. It makes perfect sense to me. Um, and if it doesn't tough. Yeah. What are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's really the best way I can think of to explain it other than, other than breaking down the they're they're separate countries and yes they're close to one another so they're going to fight but they're also a lot like each other so they'll mm -hmm. trade and be friends you know yeah and we'll talk more about city states and we talk about greece and the mayans um and the italian city states and during the renaissance so mm -hmm. we'll get more into city states but the first time you encounter a city state is here in mesopotamia we haven't talked about city states in egypt or obviously not in early man but now it's the first time a kind of a new structure in government is appearing mm -hmm. and these sumerians will develop a writing system and this is the world's first written language and it's a system, it's called cuneiform, which is a system of triangles and lines. And you're not using, you know, ink and paper. You're using like a, like a wooden edge tool, right? Something mm -hmm. like that. Would it be wooden? Yeah. yeah, I would assume wood or some type of reed play. or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't think it'd be any, anything other than that. And, and for the most part, it's going to be lines and triangles. But I mean, that's like the basic 
portion of it. But yeah, you're you're communicating. And I still remember my my high school t uh, teacher, Mr. Muir, told me this is when I had ancient history. And I didn't have ancient history until I was in eleventh grade, mm -hmm. and he was saying that the first time there was like written language, it was like somebody was using sorcery. And he was saying that I'm going to write an idea down on, and he described a paper or a tablet, and I'm going to give that paper, that tablet to a person a mile down the road. And that person's going to read exactly what I just said. And the person that had to deliver it didn't believe it because he never had encountered this written language before. And he delivered that written language that was on that tablet, we'll say, to the other person. He read it off verbatim and he thought the guy that wrote it was a sorcerer. Like he's using magic. Like he mm -hmm. must be a wizard or something. And you know, to a, you know, ignorant person of written language, it would seem out of this world. It would seem like he's some possessed or a sorcerer, but you really, the, the only way to create, I mean, one of the hallmarks of civilization is writing. And then that's probably why they're accredited with this, you know, the first civilization. But I mean, it's like a second brain, you know, you can, you only have mm -hmm. so much storage up in your head. You have to be able to store it somewhere else. It's like your external hard drive, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, basically. And, and it's, and I always like to think of it too, is it's your way of communicating across time. Yeah. You know, I mean, granted that they, they might be edited, but, but so the Epic of Gilgamesh is a good example. This is a text that's several thousand years old and granted it might be incomplete in parts, but I can read, so I can pull it out and I can read something uh, that is a story that the same people, humans, several thousand years ago we're telling one another or reading to one another or reading to themselves um i could i have i have herodotus here from when we get to the persians but so like i've got herodotus sitting right here his histories i can read this and i'm reading the same thing that this guy was putting on paper two and a half thousand years ago um which is just when you when you start to think about it like that it really it kind of becomes an incredible thing and writing is is such a powerful tool that we just don't take advantage of um, or, or, or rather we even take it for granted. Right. So, um, so the example I gave, and, and I don't know if I ever told you about this when I was, when I was house hunting up here, uh, the house that I passed up, which I'm glad I did because I like the house that we, we have now. But, um, so we were, we were shopping houses and my realtor, when we kind of found one we liked, he said, you know, why don't you write a letter? So you're pretty good at writing. Why don't you write a letter to the, to the owners and just, you know, tell them what you think. Um, and who knows, you know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll knock a few bucks off the price. You know, I'm, I'm in it for any kind of discount I can get. So I, so I wrote just a nice letter about kind of like the, the feel that I got when I went through the house and, um, you know, I, I put some of my emotions in there and then just kind of explained, you know, how it would fit well with our family. They took the price from a hundred and I think it was 145,000 and dropped it to 120,000. Like the lady called the realtor and $25,000 off the price. And she's like, we'll do this for you if you guys want it. Wow. That's now, we, now we ended up not good. Cause as soon as that happened, I was like, I'm like, really? No way. And like, even this house, we still, I, I wrote a letter and got the price down. Cause we couldn't afford it. This, the house that we bought, we, we just, it was outside of what the bank would loan us. Mm -hmm. uh, and I needed the price to drop $5,000. So I, laid everything out there i was like look this is this is what i can do if you'll meet me here it's a done deal and yeah. they did so we were able to get it you know it, it wasn't the back and forth negotiation it was a letter boom 
And that's just the, the, even today, like if you got a letter in the mail from somebody that, that sat down and wrote, even typed you a letter, it's different than an email. It's different than a text message. Um, it's, it has more of a, a more personal feel and it's in a way it can be more powerful. Um, and we just, we take that for granted all the time because we use it, you know, we use it in shorthand or in, in text message in different forms. And, and we, we tend to write how we speak, um, which just kind of oversimplifies the language, uh, especially English being so complex. You can do a lot with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you can, yeah, you can really you can really put some powerful things out there. That's and great. that all started here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's we you're right. We do take it for granted. We definitely need to keep incorporating the written language as much as we can because I mean in a lot of ways we are kind of losing, you know, writing essentially, which is a shame. But I mean I don't know if there's anything that can really stop it right now. I feel like. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know, but it, it it is. It's a it's 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 not something that comes naturally to most people. Like I was I was going through grading essays for I won't say which class because they may be watching, but for one of my classes, um, and and I sent a message to a student that I I read uh, what this person had posted as their um, uh, their discussion information. It was a lot a lot that they put out there. And, I was just very impressed with the the level of writing and the use of, of vocabulary that I, I you know gave them the, the credit that they were due and then made a note that you know this is you are a wordsmith this is really powerful and that's a gift I hope you develop because it's not one that everybody has yeah you know it's just it's it's encouraging to see that there are still people out there that that either possess that talent or have have worked at it uh, to to perfect their the art or whatever they want to achieve. I just wish my handwriting matched my my ability to write. Wouldn't that be? I just you have nice. Handwriting. You have nice. Well, not absolutely. You not. Have, no. So so you have your your handwriting isn't isn't wonderful. No, your writing on a board isn't bad. No, that I'll agree with. But now I don't really write on boards very much anymore. So true. true. I don't know. But I mean, like, uh, there's a there's a uh, like a subreddit I was subscribed to that was just handwriting. Some people have some like it looks like typed, like some outstanding handwriting. And I'm like, it just makes me feel awful about ever turning anything with my handwriting on it. So it just it's garbage compared well, to some folks. Age, we're not going to really have to worry about that too much longer. Those days, yeah, I remember think. when? Remember when cursive was going to be the big deal? Yeah, they don't really teach that. I don't think they much anymore. I don't think so. I don't think so. It's I see a kid hard. occasionally that'll. Do some it, kids practice it on their own. Like some kids can't read it. Does. They see cursive and can't read it. Yeah. You know, like they, uh, and not all the letters are that strange, but uh, my, I read a hybrid of the two. Yes. Yeah. There are some letters cursive. I, can't, I can't make that very well. And I kind of just make like a half normal print, half cursive. <laughs> word. Well, some of them I don't even remember how to do. You know, like it, it's it's one of those things where I'm I'm sure the same would be with cuneiform. If you learned to to do it, uh, if you don't practice it, you'll forget like yeah. the letters. You know what I mean? Like I like I couldn't tell you how to start a capital F in cursive to save my life. You know, what I mean, like I, some of them I know, but some are just I have no idea. Yeah, I probably just make an F and make like a little swoop randomly on the top of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, just a, a stylized F and call it a day. Yeah, I add some character to that F. Yeah, my my middle school teachers would be very disappointed in me at this point. Yeah, um, 
yeah i remember like when we did when we had to do like actual writing that was on paper for like with the students and trying to read some of their handwriting it was mm. like trying to what like use the enigma to like break the german code yeah it really so intense yeah I, so there were there were some that i definitely felt a sense of pride being able to read especially when we did when we did like reading process guides and you have to actually uh, read yeah. full set or attempted full sentence answers for everything i felt like a cryptographer or whatever it yeah, is. yeah yeah i didn't get paid enough to do that yeah yeah that's <laughs> true. That. all right let's uh let's get back on track here um the epic of gilgamesh as you mentioned uh that is the oldest story right epic, as far as it's epic Right. Yeah, as far as as far as I'm aware, it is considered the oldest, uh, yeah, or oldest poem um, in the world. Now, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they would regard it as like the oldest then story or or um, the oldest novel. I guess it's not really a novel, but I guess the I guess it would it would have to be if it's the oldest poem. It has to be the then like the oldest recorded story. Um, I mean, the epic of Gilgamesh is fairly lengthy. It's, yeah. uh, you know, well, I mean, it depends on the print, but it's, it's 100 and some pages. Not embellished um, at all, right? Not at all. Not at all. All completely true. <laughs> one, that was about the thing I brought up to my classes. I was like, look, the guy claims to be one third God and two thirds man. Now you explain to me one how that math, out. how does that math check out? You know what I mean? Like he just he had a he had two human parents and then the a third party DNA entered the picture. Like where do you become one third? You know what I mean? Maybe it's someone, yeah, maybe someone like an alien race injects. Maybe like, one of his parents was one sixth one one sixteenth and the other one was like you know, one eighth and then or, together. Or, or the one third is from the aliens and easy Alex Jones. Easy. And the two-thirds <laughs> two are just normal parents, normal people, right? Problem solved, issue solved. We're good. Yeah. No, yeah. there's no <laughs> so, um, But yeah, that's it's an interesting, definitely just an interesting story, uh, just mm -hmm. in general. I'm surprised they haven't made a movie about it. Yeah. Yeah, really yeah I feel like that. There's a, there's a pitch. Mm. Do, the, do the movie for the Epic of Gilgamesh. Who good. would you cast as Gilgamesh? That's tough because you want to go right to the rock because he's great in everything. That's a, that was my, my initial <laughs> reaction was the rock. And that's strictly because of Scorpion King. Yeah. And he has a size and now he has like what, yeah. 20 years of better acting skills now. So I'm <laughs> Scorpion King. Don't give him, don't give him too much credit in the acting <laughs> field. I mean, if anybody was one third God, I think it would be the rock. It may be. Yeah. yeah, I think he ripped that. Yeah, game I'd off. I'd like to see the Rock in a in a giant like braided beard like uh, like Gilgamesh has. Yeah, but uh, not to that, not to like the the Sumerian style where it's like the yeah, square uh, braids. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, Hercules. He doesn't even. It didn't even. They did a he, they did a good job with that because mm -hmm. it didn't even look like him. Till uh, till he talked. Until <laughs> he talked. All right, uh, Sumerian achievements. So the ziggurats were Sumerian temples, which also housed their priests and stored their grain. And, you know, this isn't like the pyramids, as you would think. These ziggurats are not like, you know, straight into a peak, like the pyramids in Egypt. They're, I mean, they're like, they're not like a step pyramid, but they're kind of like ramped fortresses that are 
kind of like pyramids. I don't really know how that's, to describe that's, that. That's really, that's not a bad description. That's kind of the role they serve because yeah. the priests, you know, in, in Sumerian belief, the priests are the top of the food chain. They're above even your kings. So they're going to be in, in the most defensible location. And that's, like you said, for the grain storage, you're going to want to put that somewhere where it's safe. So, yeah, yeah I mean, a fort is not a bad a bad uh, analogy there. Now, is that picture actually like in the Middle East? Is that from that time period? Because I've seen that picture a million times. I feel yeah. Like so I have mixed. I have mixed understandings on this. So my my initial gut reaction would be no, because it it looks pretty well done. But yeah. it's also not perfect. It is it is somewhat in ruins. If you look like that that top portion where it kind of looks like a hilltop up there, yeah. uh, that's not. It's not showing it complete so i think that's the great the great ziggurat of or now i'm gonna have to look see now watch i'm gonna i'll, I'll vanish when we turn yeah this i'll go with their achievements um besides creating the world's first uh cities and civilization and the written language like we talked about sumerians created it all right well mm -hmm, they created the wheel which we tend to think like caveman did and all like the cartoons and stuff, but actually it was the Sumerians. This is in the middle East, right? They did arches. We tend to think maybe the Romans or the Greeks or something, but technically the Sumerians did it first. They also invented the plow um, math based on a number of 60 math is kind of all around us in different styles all around us. It's just really waiting to be discovered. Um, some art and mythology and literature we know with the Epic of Gilgamesh. So the Sumerians are all over the place when it comes to achievements. Okay, before I go to the ziggurat, because I, I did look it up, uh, I can count the way the Sumerians did. You can count like, to 60, 60 on two hands. Okay. Okay, so um, so because I actually looked this up one year because I wanted to move this camera back. So okay. okay, so if you've got your two hands, that's going to blur half of my hand. Um, so you basically you take your thumb on one of your hands and you use it to count the joints of your finger. So you've got th basically three knuckles for each finger, right? So you count across. You would do like one, two, three, four, and then five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So you can get to the 12 five times, 12, 24, 36, 48, 60. What constitutes a knuckle though? Well, so it's, it's like the, all the, the bends of your fingers. So your first, uh, like your kind of initial, uh, digit bend at the front of like your pointer finger, then the middle, like your, your larger, um, uh, I guess, uh, bend in the digit and then your actual knuckle where your finger connects to your hand. Hmm. So those that's the three points on which they count for those four fingers, which gets you to 12, and then 5 times 12 is 60. Makes sense. And that's 60, 60 seconds, 60 minutes, 360 degrees. Now. Yes, great. <laughs> great. I, you know, I never had actually watched the original until uh, Wait. Just, just a few years ago. There's a, yeah, Gone in 60 Seconds is uh, it's a remake. Oh, I didn't know the that. One they, the one with Nick Cage. Was it fast? Yeah, we got in like ninety seconds before. <laughs> I think I want to say Steve McQueen was in the original. I don't know that for a fact off the top of my head, but I I think it was Steve McQueen. It wasn't. I mean, I didn't. It wasn't bad. It was you know, for for its time and, yeah. and stuff, but uh, I didn't enjoy it as much as I 
Nicholas Cage and Tiger King. Yeah. <laughs> my my cat's playing with uh with like a squeaky cat toy over in the corner over there. So he's like looking at me now, like am I in trouble? <laughs> my yeah, so you are. So oh, wait, wait, Ziggurat, go back, go back. Oh, oh okay. I forgot. I forgot. So uh, it is. It's the Great Ziggurat of Ur, um, constructed somewhere in like the twenty three hundreds uh, BC. It's associated with the Neo Assyrians, um, but it collapsed. The was it BC sixth around the sixth century? Yes, BC uh, is where the top of it kind of collapsed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's open right now until 6 p.m. It's located in modern day. Uh, <laughs> uh, located in modern day. Oh man, I'm gonna butcher this. Uh, Nasiria, Nasiria, Iraq. Uh, so it's a city. Uh, where are we at in Iraq? Just for reference, uh, the Talil province. Um, like uh, so, like. Would this be probably about 150, 180 miles southeast of Baghdad, hmm. uh, like west of Basra? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, took yeah, the word right out. Yeah, right out, almost exactly. <laughs> my geolo, my internal geolocation was about to say that. So, just like it was last episode. Yeah, <laughs> square well, mile. A little off there. You know what the problem was with that, though? We were thinking, so I was thinking like 300 miles in length, and then just going, okay, well, 300 square miles, but it would be 300 times 300, which actually puts us close to where we were thinking. Because that would be 300 times 300 would be like, so 9,000 or 90,000? You said 300 times 300. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to would be, be four zeros, right? Yeah, so I might uh here we go, calculator. Yeah. So this be, is a, a perfect example of why. Right? It would be ninety thousand. So yeah. uh, so three hundred yeah, but so I can, but but so that would be a square of the three hundred miles. So if you think about like how thin uh a country like Israel is, it's probably something to the effect of like three hundred by you know, like maybe maybe a hundred miles, maybe maybe like fifty, something like that. I feel like this is going to be a theme every episode. <laughs> we're going to talk about the geography and the time and the scale of Jerusalem slash Canaan. <laughs> Just squeak it into every episode. Uh, the Akkadians, uh, Sargon was the Akkadian leader who created the world's first empire. And so what a, an empire is, it's uh, multiple different cultures, civilizations under one rule. And the ruler of an empire is an emperor. And for whatever reason, it's very hard throughout the entire year. Mr. Woods knows that imperial and empire and emperor seem to all get mixed up, even though they're all of or relating to an empire, right? You know why that is, though? Why is that? It's because our because our students are rebel scum. <laughs> <laughs> Empire. Well, hopefully somebody gets that Star Wars joke. Eh, nobody see. will. Nobody will. <laughs> There'll be one kid actually laughing. Like, oh yeah, that's a good one. It's yeah. not one of the. Uh, it's not one of the 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 pre sequels. 
Yeah, it's true. Or, or so sequel, bad. prequel. So bad. I saw a meme with a kid that they were asking to count. It's like, okay, George, what comes after uh, three, four, five? And it's like six, seven, eight. And it's like, then why did you write one, two, three? And it shows George Lucas like, <laughs> it's like, that's pretty good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, um, they take the Acadians are like, you know, they're this kind of warrior culture taking over Mesopotamia, Iraq, Iran area, like we were talking about. And Sargon the second becomes the world's first um, emperor, um, likely born into lower class. Um, but, you know, like most of these kind of emperors that kind of get their start and create an empire, like Cyrus is kind of the same way. We'll talk about him. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of starting from nothing and conquering people and getting a following and creating a huge, massive empire. And that was, I feel like that was kind of like the cool thing to do back then was to, once it started, was like, all right, let's got to have an empire. Like, you know, kind of. Like <laughs> it's the, the new fad. Like, you know how they like, keep up with the Johnsons where it mean to be like, okay, like they just, you know, our neighbors just got a brand new car. Well, we got to get a brand new car. <laughs> like people back then, whoever ambitious were like, well, you know, Argon the second had an empire. I need to have an empire. I need to have <laughs> he conquered. Empire. He conquered the Israelites. I have to have Israelite territory too, or otherwise I'm not going to be able to measure up. <laughs> People that emulated Alexander the Great. No, no, no. I mean, you're exactly. But Pompey and uh, and Caesar were both like, too. Wannabe. Yeah. Yeah. They came to arrest people. But anyways, that's what the Acadians the only, are. They're the world's first empire, and Sargon the second is the world's first emperor okay empire means you're ruling over multiple cultures under one strict rule you know you're mm -hmm. you're you're an emperor is higher than a king mm -hmm. yeah you are you are in terms of cyrus you are the king of kings if you yes. are an emperor yes and then, and what we're going to, I guess we're going to get into, and this is why Mesopotamia is so messy and confusing. We're still talking about the same area. We're not moving from different locations. It's the same area. Just more people are taking over the same exact spot. It would be like if over the next couple hundred years, people from outside kept taking over America. Let's say the Canadians invaded America and C Canada ruled America for a while, for a hundred years. And then Mexico took over Canada. And then all of a sudden Russia came in and then, you know, I don't know, like China comes in and it's the same territory, but ruled by different groups of people. That's what Mesopotamia mm -hmm. is. And we're just going over all different groups of people over what thousands of years essentially right yeah because you know, when we get to the probably the what we'll say yeah about 2500 if we go for, maybe even 2000 i guess if you go all the way back to sumerians and up until uh xerxes so yeah because you figure that's that's taking you right up into the yeah, yeah, like the 400s or so yeah do you want to talk about the babylonians and uh the hammer of abi yeah, I can talk about that. I'm not going to pass up a chance to talk about Hammurabi. Uh, so so um, looking at pictures real quick. So that top right is supposed to be, I think it's a recreation because it's, it's, there's no way they actually preserved this, but the uh, yeah. gates, the Ishtar gates, the gates of Ishtar, which is a in dedication to the goddess Ishtar, one of the um, Mesopotamian. There's a lot of Mesopotamian um, 
gods and goddesses and they don't get the attention they probably should i don't know as much about them as i probably should like i know a few of their names i um, like like i know ereshkigal is she is the female goddess of death i believe or at least the underworld but i don't know a whole lot about them i can't go any deeper than that um but they had a very complex mythology of their own um but on the on the left of that you see um this big chunk of black stone uh with some carvings on it so that is one of the that's the steli of uh or stella stele Stella. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so this is this is uh, the carving of Hammurabi's law code. So this is the one that we have. There's more. Uh, it's like seven and a half feet tall. I didn't realize how tall it was. Um, mm. Like I, I knew it was big, obviously, but I didn't realize it was quite that large. Um, yeah, so seven and a half feet. Uh, and on top, you see, um, so Hammurabi is standing there before the sun god uh, Shamash, who's giving him the the laws. So. Not only is he putting these laws out there for everybody to see, but he's adding legitimacy to them. Like, hey, it's not me making these up. The God gave them to me, so we've got to follow it. Um, but they're very specific laws. Um, and so, so backing up, Hammurabi was a king. He's probably the most famous king of the Babylonians. Uh, and he's most famous for his law code, the eye for an eye uh, type of law code. So, yeah. So the concept was that the the law would apply to everyone, though not equally, um, and that that it would be based essentially on like retaliation that you're going to do unto others is just done onto you. Uh, so I, I pulled up. I want to I want to read just a couple examples of them. So there's some there, but, I, but there's some that are just interesting. So <clears throat> this one. Um, so anyone who is committing a robbery and is caught, he shall be put to death. Um, and I and I remember reading if you are actually committing uh, burglary, if you're breaking into a house, yeah, here it is. Uh, if anyone breaks uh, a hole into a house, so you break into someone's home, uh, you shall be put to death before that hole, whatever you broke into the house, and then buried there, right? So, like, if you break into someone's window to climb into their house and you're caught, you're put to death, and then you're buried outside their window. Uh, it's kind of a, a message. And there's one where if like the your dad's uh, a house builder essentially, and mm -hmm. he builds a crappy house and it, it falls down, and like you know kills maybe one of your sons or something like that, then the house builder's son gets killed, but not the house builder. Mm -hmm. It's like you're like what? <laughs> Why is yeah. this involved in this one? So there's some of them are really bizarre. And this one's this one's a good example of them being the law being unequally applied depending on who you are. So it says if if a prisoner um, is to die in prison from from being beaten or from like mistreatment, uh, so the master of that prisoner um, is going to um, bring bring the person responsible before the judge. Now, if the person that died was a freeborn man, or, or I'm sorry, if the person that he's that's basically um, responsible for the death of this this prisoner is a freeborn man uh then their son is going to be put to death uh if or no i'm sorry the person who, who died if they're freeborn then the son of the person responsible will be put to death if the person who died was a slave the person responsible has to pay uh like a fine one third of a mina of gold uh, which is like the uh, measurement system. So they have to pay uh, a fine if the person's a slave, but if they're freeborn, um, then they have to give up their, their own child. 
Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of that disproportionate apply of the law. Um, but it's an attempt to establish a rule of law and hold everyone accountable to some degree. And yeah, in some degree. RB, RBG would probably wreak havoc on Hammurabi's 282 Definitely. specific laws, but Definitely. Yeah, we're we're recording this in in the aftermath of uh, RBG's passing. It's Ruth yeah. Bader Ginsburg. Uh, who who is Jewish? I didn't we should have uh, should reference that back. I did not know that. I did not know that until I saw I think honestly today. Um, I was oh, yeah. with Trevor Noah and that was one of the she cuz she says there's three things that are working I think against she said against her is that um, she's Jewish, she's a, a woman, and uh, I forget. Nah, I forget what the third one was. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and she just uh, challenged at every corner, like, and stuck to her guns, and she knew like what equality really, truly meant. And that's mm-hmm. uh, it's sad. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah, she she really is a good example of like an American champion. You know? Yeah. Notorious. Yes. <laughs> a lot of people don't get that that's the reference to like, you know, they, they just don't catch that that's not, I don't know. I forget, I forget when that, there was like a, the, that, that was a like a documentary about her came out that they, they called that and people just didn't, uh, I think it was on, on Twitter or something. Maybe, maybe it was before Twitter or Facebook, maybe. But yeah, people didn't catch that that was a reference to uh, to like Biggie Smalls or anything yeah. like that. They yeah. just didn't, didn't. I don't know why that flew over them. But. Once the, once they did figure that out and they were like, well, don't you have a, a problem or, you know, being referenced towards Notorious B.I.G. And she's like, why would I have a problem with that? Yeah. Like, no. yeah. No. They're like, what? You don't? She's like, I don't care. Um, it was like a great reaction to it because they were looking for something. You're like, well, you know, he's right. like a, anything that can be sensationalized. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, but you know, kudos to her. Mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, full circle, you know, Hammurabi sets up these laws and, you know, RBG was the one that would eventually like, obviously the laws have evolved over from this time mm-hmm. period, but somebody has to set up these laws in order for us to build upon that, improve upon it. And, you know, we look back even just, you know, even when she was, I think in like the eighties or something like that, where women couldn't even buy, have credit cards or they couldn't sign a mortgage without a man. And mm-hmm. it's like, we look at that and we laugh at that now. Like, what are you, what were those people thinking? It's the same thing here, obviously, you know, we're looking back and being like, well, oh, this is crazy, but it's better than nothing. Right. right. You yeah. have to have something set up where it is consistently anarchy is not even anarchy. I mean, it's nothing. It's just consistent chaos. Is and, and when you think about it, like with how specific most of these laws are, you're writing these. I mean, these are being recorded in response to something. Nobody's like, oh, you know, how can I protect people's personal property in a fire that may happen? Let me write out this law that's very complex and, and enumerates all these different avenues no so it, it happened it had to be adjudicated without the law the that became an excuse so you know what now we got to put it now we got to carve it on the stone you know we've got to add it to the list um to make sure that in the future nobody can use this this uh as an excuse and so you're basically recording legal precedent yeah and that's one thing that i i talk about each year is go look up your state's weirdest laws like just type in like you know, Virginia's weirdest laws, Pennsylvania's weirdest laws, 
somebody did that whatever the yeah. weird law is somebody did that like one of pennsylvania ones is like you can't sing in the shower i think is one um you I remember can't. one of the california ones so you can't sleep on top of a refrigerator i thought that was public. pennsylvania is that pennsylvania oh, it could be it could just be a, hold on, hold yeah on. i know there's one in pennsylvania too because i'm for those listeners who don't know i'm originally from western pennsylvania um i remember there's one that every on back roads in pennsylvania you have to like stop and shoot a flare every mile to like warn off cows and if you don't technically it's a like you're breaking the law no you were right it is pennsylvania you cannot sleep on top of a refrigerator outdoors you can do it at home if you want to sleep on top of a refrigerator at home in the privacy of your own home that's fine but you cannot do it outdoors Uh, and it is it is illegal to sing in the bathtub uh, save your singing for the shower. So no singing in the bathtub, but you can sing in the shower. Interesting. Um, and you, <laughs> you may not catch a fish with your mouth. Um, Somebody did it. That's the thing. Somebody. Did yeah. It. Yeah. So that's it's pretty you know, unethical. So you can't. Yes. Um, uh, bears, however, have not been held accountable for that. Nope. But, nope. But, uh, Yogi Bear. What's the? It's but Yogi Bear. Wait, isn't that a, like a baseball player? Yogi Berra. Berra. Okay. Yeah. yeah he's a baseball player. Very, very close. Very close. Yeah, very close. I don't uh, know what he played for. I want to say Dodgers, but uh, sounds right. Yeah. It but, went yeah. out, just assume Dodgers. And these, yeah, the, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, someone's done this stupid stuff, and you have to kind of make these laws in order to prevent that stupid stuff from happening. So um, just look up your specific state wherever you live or whatever country you may be from, you probably have some weird laws you didn't even know about. And maybe technically a police officer could pull you over some for some absurd thing. (laughs) Hopefully not. But Hammurabi is known for having the first set of law codes in the world. As far as we know, maybe tomorrow we'll discover an older law code. But as of right now, it is Hammurabi holds the, the record for the earliest law codes in human history. And Yogi Berra played for the Yankees, just so nobody out there gets mad at me. <laughs> it's either the Yankees or the Dodgers, for. if you're guessing. <laughs> from yeah, like the Dodgers. I mean, I didn't. Unless, I, mean, I know Pirates suck, and that's about it. Yeah, well, that's kind of it. That's that's <laughs> been for the last 40. That's been our entire, the whole time we've been alive. They've <laughs> Very accurate statement. Uh, the Hittites, uh, the Hittites, uh, only the thing, they're, they're not really in the area of mesopotamia like in between the rivers they're more kind of towards the what we know as modern day turkey they're in the northwest region from mesopotamia but they are known for their um, superior metalwork. they're the first to smelt iron and this Mm -hmm. is not they're not smelling iron this is smelting so smelting is the process of extracting metal from the mineral ore and the way i kind of have my students remember it is that hittites the hit in there like you are hitting the the metal because you're going to have to be able to hit that hot metal in order to shape that Mm -hmm. iron right you can't you're not just going to put your hands and fold it like clay like, <laughs> i don't know if you know this but you'll burn your hands yeah just but, a little bit wow man uh i almost had oh i almost had my house like go up in flames my my grill was just like crazy on fire totally uh, engulfed 
Not completely engulfed. All right, I'm like, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but like uh, I had mine was this person completely burnt. Like the fire got inside of it, out of hand. So mm. I actually had to throw the little fire extinguisher and put it out. <laughs> no, I I uh, I almost had to resort to the fire extinguisher this past uh, this, over the summer. I was I was smoking um, ribs and yeah. forgot that. Well, I, so I tried to set the timer for the smoker, and I didn't have the thermometer pushed into the ribs far enough, so it didn't set. So I came back like two hours later. And I'm like, oh my god, these are not going to be done in time. So I turned it on, let them smoke as long as I could, and threw them on the grill. And I walked in the house for, not even kidding, like maybe five seconds. I walked in to throw something away into the garbage, which was right inside my back door. Come back out and just like fully engulfed. Got the garden hose, which is thankfully right there. Otherwise, I'd had, I would have had to go in and get the fire extinguisher. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I, well, I forgot to empty the grease trap mm. and from previous a steak that I had. I think it was just completely full and it caught, and it was like a little bit of Greek fire. I, yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't put water on that. I had to, I had no other choice. I had to use yeah. the fire extinguisher. So, um, but yeah, really, the only thing from the Hittites, they're from um, the area of Turkey, Asia Minor. They're technically, you know, a Mesopotamian culture that's mm -hmm. there, but they're known for their metalwork. They're hitting. And they, they existed alongside other Mesopotamian cultures. Like, it's not like, and, and that goes for most of these. It's not like one exists and then it stops and the next one starts. They, <laughs> they, they, they coexist. Like the Hittites were, were a pretty big, um, pretty big part of the, that Mediterranean world. Cause they had connections with the Egyptians and, and Ramesses was fighting wars with them um, during his reign. Uh, in fact, that's one of the earliest peace treaties is between the Egyptians and the, the Hittites. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's, we tend to, since we do this very linear and we talk about, you know, this civilization, then this one, we get in our heads that, okay, well they just come right after each other, but that's, that's not the case. Uh, at least not with most of them. Yeah, I mean, I talked about that with the, the Hebrews too, you know, when they came back mm -hmm. in there, back to the promised land. It's not like somebody was holding their spot for them or saving their seat, you know, like there's people who have been living there that you're going to have yeah. to fight. And then that Hebrews eventually won, but then like people just keep piling on top and they want that land and they're going to invade you. So mm -hmm. they're not all just leaving. Some are just getting mixed in together. So uh, the next group of people, uh, the Assyrians, and uh, I made a reference with, I don't know if we, ref I think we referenced them a little bit, but I know I did in my episodes of Shankism, I referenced the Assyrians when we talked about the Hebrews. Um, Nineveh would be their capital, which that would be kind of, uh, I would say what? That's, I mean, almost dead. Are you going to ask me how big it is? No, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm not going down that rabbit hole again. Uh, Nineveh would be like, on the Tigris River, and it would be kind of in the, I mean, dead center pretty much of Mesopotamia, yeah. uh, which in reality, if you're having a capital, it's probably the best place to set it up is in the middle of your whole territory. But the problem is here in America is that we didn't know exactly how big our country was going to get. And uh, we kind of built right by the East Coast right there. Like ideally the best place for it would be like Kansas somewhere. But Right. Well, I mean, when you think about like, like Philadelphia – Right, and the Pennsylvania is the Keystone State because it's mm -hmm. holding the two together. Philadelphia is about in the middle. If you don't count the fact that, you know, we didn't really have Florida at the time, so it's just Georgia to 
Massachusetts, mm. uh, which included Maine because, you know, that's a whole mess. But, um, yeah, I mean, our capital and our seat of government and everything was right in the middle. And then we went this way. So we just expanded rapidly. That's understandable. Mm. Uh, putting it on into a swamp, it doesn't really make sense, but whatever. Oh, uh, well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> got to drain the swamp. Yeah, got to do it somehow. Um, but can't do it with straws because straws are banned. Only non-plastic straws, right? Yes. Paper Reusable. straws. Right? No, I can't do the paper because they, oh, they, they start to fray at the end. You know, it's, it's I weird. just don't use a straw. Yeah, drink it old-fashioned way without one. But uh, from the cup. <laughs> Wait, um, the first walled city? Are we talking about Jericho? I thought Jericho. No. Jericho. So, so I think so. I know that. The, like like the the biblical story associated with the walls of Jericho, and I know Jericho's old, but I don't think it was a walled city its entire time. I think Nineveh Nineveh might be the first walled city. Really, I always uh, thought the first walled city was Jericho because the doesn't the Bible talk about the walls being like so awesome? Like no one has a better yeah. wall, the best no, wall. I, th- ever. I think that. <laughs> But I, but I think that's after. Like, I think that's after. Because, um, yeah, I mean, you got to remember, like, Jericho is a very, very old city. Mm-hmm. So you got to figure that's got to that's gotta be from the, when the Hebrews come back from enslavement in Egypt, as near as I can figure. But I still don't know. Here we go. Let's ask the Google. The Googs. Uh, while you're doing that, I'll cover Astro Benipal here. So Astrid Benipal would be the only real person from, not the only real person, but the main person you would have to know from the Assyrians. And the Assyrians are known for the way I kind of look at it. They're, think of Assyrians, assassins, like, and I think of uh, Syria. Syria is a place where ISIS is located. You think ISIS, you think military, you think like bad news bears with them. And that's kind of the same thing here with the Assyrians. They're a war-like people. They're not even war-like. They are a, they're a warrior people. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of the most barbaric things that they did to their captives is just atrocious. But it's kind of ironic that they were able to understand that, hey, we need to have a library. And one of the most famous libraries was Astrobanipal's library. And it's just weird to think that you have this very intense military, but then you have back in it, you have this library that kind of sets it all up um but they'll eventually fall um to the chaldeans over time and their whole concept of basically if they lost a battle the world was the gods would end the world the world would come to an end so they're not losing many battles yeah the uh the assyrians had this mindset where well a lot of mesopotamian cultures did that your god was almost imbued in a in an idol um, so a lot of the temples had like statues that were supposed to be the god. So you would go and pray before the statue, and the statue is you know, what the god is going to work through to grant you this or that. Uh, the Assyrians' main god is Ashur, um, and so they would actually go wherever they conquered. They would go into the temples and destroy temples, and they would capture the gods of that city and take it back to the temple of Asher, so that their god was basically holding all the gods of these other uh, groups prisoner. And then they could extort them because, you know, if you don't want us to destroy your god, 
you'll do what we say uh, kind of thing. And so that it's just a little insight into their culture and to, I couldn't find anything definite um, about that. I can't find, I can't find a solid year for either actually um, for, for either one Uh, like Jericho as a city goes back to about 8,000 BC, which is that Neolithic time period, which we would guess. Um, But it wasn't walled at that time. So I I can't find, and that's just, I spent 30 seconds looking, but um, that seems like enough time. Yeah, I should be an expert at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, on, I guess I never know. On ancient barrier construction. Uh, yeah, or my PhD, I'll print it off later. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the, the PhD stands for, right? Print? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> PDF, PhD. Same thing. Print your heavenly doctrine. <laughs> doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> so the people that after the Assyrians, again, really all we're doing is just we're, we're stacking same place on top of each other. The Chaldeans or the Chaldeans come next, and they're also known as the Neo-Babylonians, the Neo-Babylonians. Their greatest ruler was Nebuchadnezzar II, and I believe we've mentioned them before because this specific group of people and this specific person was involved with the Hebrews. Mm-hmm. And the main thing, Mr. Woods, that they're known for is the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Babylon. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Because <laughs> I, I actually read, um, I know I don't have it here because I know it's at school. So I have a, I have a book that was the one that I used when I taught uh, for RCC that semester. I remember reading in there that they they now think that the hanging gardens of Babylon were actually in Babylon. They mm-hmm. think that they might have been in Nineveh. Um, the hanging gardens no, of Nineveh, then? Were yeah, they called maybe. Babylon, or they called what would they be I called? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So actually, here as I'm, as I'm, oh, I don't know though. The source is a little rough. It's it's the History Channel. Uh, history.com but uh this is the so this isn't the article i read but this is this is this is the facts that align with my preconceived notion therefore they're correct uh the the article is entitled hanging gardens existed but not in babylon um but i i want to say when i was reading about it uh it mentioned okay actually here it mentions uh sennacherib the king of the world over the distance had uh war course directed to the environs of nineveh so directing water to the cities of Nineveh based on recent excavation around uh, the modern-day Iraqi city of Mosul, which is where Nineveh is today. Um, and the different relief carvings uh, depict lush gardens watered by some form of aqueduct um, around flat terrains of Babylon, uh, matching the more rugged topography of the Assyrian capital, as it's described. So may have actually been um, at, at Nineveh rather than at Babylon. That's but I didn't know may that. have may have in fact may have. Uh, exist, existed too, like uh, credible evidence to suggest that if nothing else, if nothing else, if it was possible in Nineveh, if they have evidence to say that you could have redirected water to that city to create it, then perhaps they did exist in Babylon even. Would the Hebrews have anything to do with building it then? Probably not. Yeah. Interesting. That would kind of unfound a lot of things. 
Yeah, I don't know. Well, regardless, the Hebrews, we talked about this, were enslaved. Whether they were in Babylon or whether they were in Nineveh, they were enslaved by the Chaldeans. And, you know, we talked about in a previous episode, they kind of got throughout history, their history, the Hebrews, um, some bad luck when it comes to, you know, people that want to enslave them. It, maybe it just comes back to the monotheistic beliefs. Maybe it is just bad luck. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, but that, that is known as the Babylonian captivity, which could be the Ninevean captivity. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I'm going to have to look into that a little bit more. Yeah. But it is It is comforting that I know I read it. I know it was that textbook. And now that I like Google something resembling it, I, I am finding or other other sources. Uh, National Geographic even has an article here. Um, we know the seven wonders of the ancient world existed, but were they all where they say they were? I think the pyramids are where they say they are. Yeah, that one would be a little bit hard to dispute. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> um, uh, no, they're not actually there. That's just it's it's uh, it's actually a it's a mirage. Uh, is it Plato the uh, Platonian world of forms? So you actually think they're there, but they're not really. Maybe, perhaps. Well, he built the hanging gardens of Babylon. Nineveh for his homesick wife. And I was like thinking too, like looking at, you know, pictures of it and what it would have looked like. You know, we don't really know. We just kind of have descriptions, right? Or something close to that effect. Yeah, I but, think I, I, I could be wrong, but I want to say it was actually, um, I want to say it was Herodotus that uh, described gave it. us our. I'm just going to spend the whole time looking stuff up. I think it, I want to say it's Herodotus. <laughs> Um, stating my, my reputation. Like thinking where it's located and thinking the amount of irrigation that it would take to maintain all of that and the people that to maintain all of the plants in different places because his wife, um, is it Amitus? Is that how you say it? Uh, I, I always just say like Amitus. 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 Okay. <laughs> Miss Amitus. And, <laughs> <laughs> and she was from a lush area, you know, with plenty of green and she kind of just saw this Mesopotamian desert and was homesick and wanted to go back. And Nebuchadnezzar II, being the good husband that he was, I guess, decides to build this giant garden for her. And, you know, I can barely keep like a cactus alive and like a bamboo stick or, you know, I think I, I don't even know what I have over there. My girlfriend gave me a couple of like plants they're somehow still alive but <laughs> um yeah so the fact that they're keeping all that stuff up is kind of crazy but so so um herodotus did write about the hanging gardens mm -hmm. um when he was traveling through uh that part of the world um, and Media, which is the uh, Queen Amidas's or Amidas's homeland, that's like it's like modern day. It's on the north coast of the Persian Gulf, like that region. So I think it's like modern day Iran. So meaning that he actually saw it, or he's not just taking the description of what somebody said it looked like. He's right. Like he's what been there. Yeah, he may have even yeah. maybe even have like transplanted things from there directly from there. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be out of out of the realm of possibility if we're mm -hmm. talking about the, you know actually being that close, right? 
Well, the Chaldeans will eventually fall to the Persians. Again, we're just stacking up civilizations on the same spot of land. Um, but before that, before we get to the Persians. We build up to the Persians. Spoilers. Uh, let's talk quickly about the Lydians who are uh, located uh, Asia Minor, which we know is Turkey. And they're more towards like the the west end of Turkey, more on that western side. The west end. Path. And really what they're known for is coining money. They're the first people to use coin money and transitioning from a barter system where you're, you know, you're exchanging um, five chickens for two cows, right? That's a barter system. I and mean, we still do that in some regards today, obviously. But this is more of a strict you know even coin money system you know 20 bucks is 20 bucks right today mm -hmm. but you know i was having this discussion with my last last year's class and then we were talking about like how the evolution of money is you know ever changing and how people at first are very reluctant to new forms of exchange of you know money and the money is whatever we want it to be cryptocurrency right? talk so currency this came from cryptocurrency like cryptocurrency, uh like bitcoin yeah. absolutely yeah that's yeah. i mean that's ultimately where we're headed mm -hmm. i don't know it, how long it will take i hope sooner rather than later and there will be people that will push for the negatives but people also push for the negatives when there were when there was paper money right yeah chinese, chinese invented paper money people are like what is this a stupid piece of paper doesn't mean anything it only means something if people give it value mm -hmm. and then people said the same thing for like credit cards, debit cards, checks, all these things. At first, people are very reluctant and push back. But if there is a quicker, faster way to exchange, you know, to have that medium of exchange, humans need to take that route. Mm -hmm. You know, I think like one day we'll have probably like a chip in our wrist or something like that. And we just like hold it up to a product and we just like walk out with it. Right. Because the chip will be hooked up to our cryptocurrency whatever that may be but lydians were the first people to coin money and the way that i always use and i don't have anything here to demonstrate this but if you think about it uh lydian sounds like lid lid is the um a lid on a bottle right that's about the size of a coin and then you think oh yeah lydians lid first people to coin money there are like little tricks like that. It's just kind of, you know, I have a lid. I have a lid. If, a lid. If, if people can see, I've been showcasing it. Yeah. Like uh, okay. Gatorade, I see Gatorade, okay, Gatorade yeah. bottle cap. Yeah. So, yeah. so a lid, Lydians. That would be like a silver dollar, the one you have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> silver dollar pancakes right there. <laughs> I normally <laughs> use like the, like the water bottle ones that are like you know, right. something like that. So, but it is what it is. Persia. You want to talk about Persia? Yeah, why not? Because I like the Persians. So, um, so this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out the plug for um, uh, for Carlin's Hardcore History. Oh the, boy, here uh, we go. The episode King of Kings. Actually, all three episodes. He spends most of them talking about the uh, the Persians. But um, so your your first real Persian ruler is um, is Cyrus because he builds the empire. Um, and I like the I, I like the analogy or the metaphor i don't know i'm not going to try and parse those right now but um uh 
but that he that that Carlin brings up in his podcast, uh, and I don't know where he said that he got this from, but it was the first time I'd ever heard it. But the the wooden shoes and the the silk slippers, um, met, I think uh, that would be a metaphor. As an English teacher, I should know this, but um, is it so like the um, as you're like climbing up the stairs, basically as you're building your empire, you're doing so in wood shoes, so it's uncomfortable and it's hard, and you have to really work hard to get it. And as you decline, you know you've shifted to the silk slippers. You've been in the ruling. You've been born to the purple. You're not a hard working fighter anymore. You you've inherited this this rule, and so you tend to grow a bit more soft. And that's as you're descending down, as your empire's failing. Uh, the royalty tends to be, you know, more royal than they are in the beginning. I don't remember that analogy or metaphor, but I do really like that. That's good. Yeah, I thought that that one's kind of stuck with me. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, so so Cyrus would very much be the guy wearing these wooden shoes because he he was not born to the purple. He's not you know some incredibly wealthy or well-to-do person. Uh, he's able to organize an effective army and conquer land with it. And that's basically what he does. Not only does he conquer land, but he takes things from the lands that he's conquering that he finds useful and effective and applying them to make his empire more effective as he goes. And on top of that, he has a really persuasive message because when he when he shows up to conquer your people... It's not so much that, okay, well, we're, we're going to conquer you and subjugate you to our rule. You have to worship our gods. You have to you know, f- follow me and only me. It's your life for 95% of the people living in your, your kingdom will not change. It's going to be the same thing it was yesterday and the same thing tomorrow. Um, the people it really changes for is you know the person who's at the top or the people at the very top of your, your kingdom because they're just now going to have to respect me as their leader. Um, so he becomes the king of kings. So you still maintain your king, you maintain your society, religion. Um, maybe you pay a little bit more in taxes, but that's really about it. And you get all the benefits of being a member of the Persian Empire. There's going to be roads constructed through your territory. You're going to have a, a stronger economy. You'll end up with a, a money system. So, you know, the, in most cases, the benefits outweigh the cost uh, there, unless you're the, the Greeks and you're focused on, you know, individual personal liberties i guess would be their yeah reasoning for that um but yeah so so um so cyrus's tomb is actually still there that's what you see and carlin brings this up but some of the epithets that he has on his tombstone he like refers to himself as king of the four corners of the earth and, and king of the universe and all of these things but it gives you an idea of you know the mindset there that he's he is this grandiose figure and he he died as he lived he died in combat um against the the scythians um which are like the eurasian steppe peoples so mm-hmm. like out in uh, mongolia or or like kazakhstan's out there that region um you know he the there i mean there's a lot of things to go with it but basically he had taken his army there to continue expanding the empire uh, and he had met uh, one of the queens of, of the Scythian tribes, this uh, Timorous. He uh, sent a proposal of marriage to her. She declined. Uh, so they, yeah, spurned lover there. So they fight. And yeah. uh, he ends up with his, and, and I don't think they're clear on who did it, but he ends up with his head cut off and on a stick. Did uh, she do it? Yeah, I think they they allude to that, and she probably took credit for it. But I don't know that uh, I don't know that anybody can say for sure. So, um, is his head in there? 
I, I think that they they took his head back with them. I don't think any of him's in there now, but you don't think anything uh, was in there. But that's just what no. I don't, I think it's just an empty tomb. Hmm. No, I don't know. I don't know. I would find it hard to believe that an archaeologist would allow Cyrus <laughs> the Great's body to remain in its tomb if they could find it. That's true. That's fair. You know, we've got we've got a collection of mummies like in in shrink wrap in london so like that that is one of like the bizarre things though like thinking about that like you are just digging up like what's the time frame like after so many years you start digging up dead people yeah, like, it's now okay because you're x years old yeah yeah uh, it's well it's like vatican right the popes that are on display and like the glass cases out for everybody to see like you could set your coffee down on them and you know, like it's just it's in Lenin. I think isn't Lenin still like his body is still on display in uh, I think so. That's just weird. Russia, yeah. It's so weird. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we humans are strange. We are strange indeed. Beings. But um, yeah, Cyrus. Uh, you know, he's mentioned in the Hebrews. Mentioned. I mean, they see him as a savior. Mm-hmm. You know, they allow when Cyrus conquers. Um, all of you know basically mesopotamia there and conquers the lydians and so forth he returns and we talked about this in the last episode returns the hebrews back to their promised land uh canaan not all of them go back but you know enough of them do and you know cyrus was kind of the original freedom of religion guy you know mm-hmm. that the persians were just in general which i always kind of admire that you know that they're they're so progressive in a time when no one is that right you know they are um i think there's there's like almost no at least very 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 limited but i think almost no slavery in the persian empire so crazy um in, in a time where in a time where that was that was the that was the bread and butter of conquering people like you mm-hmm. conquered people to get slaves you know the persians on the other hand are not doing that and that's yeah, it made them, but but then it also makes you very popular among the middle and lower class people, which is the people whose support you need to stop rebellions. So it might be why they were why they did last That's so long. Successful. Yeah, absolutely. Now he does have a, a son that comes to power for like fifteen minutes. His name's Cambyses, uh, but I think he's assassinated. I, I think there's actually like a, a conspiracy surrounding that assassination. Yeah, uh, yeah. Th- th- he was. Cambyses goes to Egypt, right? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Um, well, I guess we can talk about Darius in the next one here. Um, mm. Darius was able to gain the throne, uh, and there's like some controversy because was he actually his son, or I felt I feel like there was. I think there's there's yeah because there's different accounts. I think. Um... I think that Darius was like an like a like a senior official, yeah. Um, that was like an advisor to uh, maybe to uh, Cyrus, Cambyses. but definitely to Cambyses. Yeah. And then Cambyses ends up dead, and Darius is like, "Yeah, okay, I can I can take care of this." He so, said with his last dying wish that uh, he wanted me to rule over all of. He wanted to assure that that no ruler would be appointed during the reign of this particular uh, emperor. So no, but um, yeah, no. So he, uh, yeah, you you got where I was going. With that. He, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. So I don't know exactly what the connection is there, and and I should, and I feel 
you know, like, like that's my responsibility to know as a history teacher. But I, I know I, I have heard the, I've heard a story both where he's like an administrator who, who takes over. And I've heard a story where he's like actually like a half son or something yeah. uh, for the throne and maybe arranges the death of his brother. Um, I don't know. Regardless, he's in power and he breaks up the this massive empire and you know at the time it will run into all the way into india and this is this is no longer the little like sumerian mesopotamia it's that but it's all the way pushing into greece it's in egypt it's mm. pushing into india it's massive it's um, it's the, the only reason alexander gets credited for conquering more territory is because he came with some of Greece um, because basically everything he conquers was what was once the Persian empire. Mm -hmm. uh, everything that he fights to get was the Persian empire. The only thing that he takes that he, he basically inherits Greece from his father. So, you know, to say that he was you know, this great conqueror, it was already conquered once mm -hmm. and that was Osiris. And, and um, I guess to some, some extent, uh, Darius. Yeah. But the yeah. Darius is more of like, I, I saw recently uh, an article in, I think it was Newzella, uh, the website, but um, where they referred to Darius as like the, I think they called him like the banker or the businessman or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, that you've got, you've got Cyrus, who's the conqueror. And then you move to somebody like Darius, who's going to be the administrator. Uh, he's going to be somebody who rules, who's willing to figure out, you know, how can I make this empire function uh, the best it can? So, you know, let's build roads, let's institute coined money, let's develop this imperial bureaucracy. I can't rule this whole place by myself. Yeah. So take a pen out of, or take a note out of the Egyptian playbook and, and let's cut it up into smaller pieces. So let's, you know, divide this up into, into individual satrapies, which is their, their word for like provinces. Uh, and then take a governor for each one and they're going to report back. I mean, we do that. We are, we are, if we were an empire, we would be an imperial, we're a democratic bureaucracy here mm -hmm. uh, in the United States. So you've got 50 states, you've got 50 governors uh, who administer their state. And when they have growing concerns that they can't handle, they take that to the federal government. Um, and then the federal government weighs in and, and makes what Hopefully helps out. Necessary. Hopefully helps out. Hopefully doesn't uh, maneuver a political chess piece there. But uh, mm -hmm. you know there there is some historical precedent for that because mm -hmm. that's definitely been done forever. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, a good example of that actually of of that for for at least the United States uh, would would be um, desegregation of schools, right? Yeah. Like the the governor was literally blocking the school, like with like he was on the steps of the school when when the National Guard walked those the kids in. Uh, so like you know that's a good example of the like the state government's not doing what they need to be doing, so the federal government has to go in and handle it. Yeah. You know if if Bactria became a failing satrapy within the Persian Empire, no doubt that Darius would send troops there to handle whatever's going on. Mm -hmm. Same same concept. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, if you set up this massive imperial bureaucracy that you have to to get to Bactria, you need a road to get there. You need lots of roads. And one of the main roads was the the Royal Road. Mm -hmm. And this stretched from one empire, one, I think, what, through Persepolis? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, from Sardis to Susa, I think are the two Sardis cities. Sardis to Susa. Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, Persepolis became the capital later, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Persia Polis, Persia City. <laughs> it's really, it sounds true. nicer as Persepolis, Persepolis, Persia City. Yeah, that's true. But it went all it's kind of like it's kind of like New York, New York, I guess. In that yeah, way. I guess it would be. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. Persia, you know, New York City, Persia City in Persia. <laughs> <laughs> very clever, very clever. Um, but yeah, that stretched, you know, from one end of the empire to the other, and that's a great way of moving troops, moving products, moving trading. You know, there's a lot of advantage to having a, a you know a road that is protected and that is. You know, you're not going to get lost in the woods, but it's also too. I mean, I think they had what they had set up every 15 miles. They had, if they had to get a message across mm-hmm. that they'd have a, a station set up that they yeah. have the horse ride out with a guy on it, obviously, their messenger, and he gets to the next station 15 miles. And there's a fresh horse that's already watered and fed and ready to go, and off he goes. Yeah. And I mean, so, there's people too. So if you make it so far and you can't complete the journey, then next guy hops on and takes off. I mean, it's. Yeah. For, for the ancient world, I mean, you're talking about being able to relay a message from, you know, from one end of this road to the other. And I, I forget exactly how many, I did look this up before, how many miles the, uh, the but I'm not even going to try. I think it's like, I think it's, okay, and I am going to try. I yeah. think it is, uh, watch me be incredibly wrong. I think it's something like. You're talking 20, the railroad mileage? Yeah, I think it's something like 23, 2400 miles. Now I'm going to Google it thinking for some reason maybe like 1500 but i'm probably way off Persian royal road oh you were you were almost dead on 1677 yeah, yeah oh. so i'm I, I way overshot that but yep. so, Price so is man, right. exactly exactly yeah so but so so you figure 1600 miles let's let's just take that so if mm-hmm. that's the distance you're going to travel and you're the average rider galloping on a horse at full clip for most of the day uh you might be able to cover let's say let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say you can get uh let's maybe 100 120 miles in a day or something mm-hmm. like that that's that's pretty good uh travel distance and if you're able to switch out and keep basically keep that message going nonstop. Uh, you can relay a message from one end of the empire to the other in, in two weeks. Yep. Um, when before that may have taken two months. Mm-hmm. So you've just expedited the ability to send messages. So you can, you can quickly um, react to problems going on elsewhere in your empire. Cause it's not like that guy in Bactria that's having problems can call you up or shoot a text and let you know, Hey man, things are getting a little while. He can't get on Twitter and put pictures up of what's going on and, and just kind of call you <laughs> out and be like, Hey, can you help me? No, he's got to send a messenger and that's going to take longer. Um, so by the time he's, he, I mean, he's not going to get aid that season. Uh, he's going to be waiting, but at least he can rest assured that it's likely coming. Uh, whereas, you know, in other parts of the world, I mean, how do you even get a message to somebody, let alone ensure that, that, that anything's coming back? Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's like 1600 miles. It's, I think America's like around 2000 some. So it's mm-hmm. like almost the distance of all the way across America. So that's yeah. pretty impressive to do for sure. Uh, if we continue, um, Oh, so the uh, empire was 2,500 miles. Yeah, stretching from one to the other. But I, the whole thing wasn't, oh, yeah, it wasn't all the way. The whole railroad wasn't. So I mean, it was basically like 
you know, 1,600 miles of the 2,400-mile stretch. But he, Darius has a son. This we do know for sure. Xerxes mm -hmm. was his son. And he's the one that kind of gets um, tries to finish what his dad started. Mm -hmm. you know, Darius does get into Greece and um, is kind of humiliated. And because Greece is this, you know, small little power, separate city states, which we'll eventually get to. And you know, here is Persia, this massive empire, powerful, conquering everybody. And they kind of get Persia gets smacked in the face by mm -hmm. these Athenians. And um, it's embarrassing for, for Darius. He goes back and tries to build up his army, but he just dies. I, he doesn't die in battle back there, does he? I don't believe so. I, don't, I, I thought he was he was prepping to go back to Greece, but he yeah. time prepping, he died. And that's when his son Xerxes, you know, mm -hmm. took over and took over that kind of vendetta that Darius had against Greece. And this is when Xerxes tries to conquer the Greek city-states, you know, Sparta and Athens and all that, but is repelled repeatedly and he is unsuccessful even if he has you know maybe Herodotus says whatever it was 200,000 500,000 soldiers or a million two I've heard so many different things mm, regardless yeah, that numbers all over the place soldiers and the Greeks had basically nothing so um Persia would exist for almost 200 years but would decline especially when Alexander the Great comes into play and I was just pulling it up to look because I know that uh, I know Xerxes is assassinated. And I was trying to figure out, uh, like I knew a little bit of the story. Uh, and this is actually video game talk. If you are a fan of video games, um, the Assassin's Creed Odyssey downloadable content, uh, the first blade, you actually pick up the story of his name is Artabanus. Uh, and so, uh, he, I think he, he goes by a different name in the game, but it's, but that's who it is. Uh, he is the Royal bodyguard of Xerxes who is responsible for assassinating him. Um, and then you kind of pick up his story as in the, the video game world. But, um, but yeah, so Xerxes was assassinated by one of his own bodyguards, uh, in Persepolis. Um, and bodyguards like always get you four sixty. Let's say 465, I think. Um, yeah, 465 oh, BC right. is when he's assassinated. Not ideal. Not ideal. Yeah, and that's and that's just a short few years after the the wars with Greece. So that was like mm -hmm. the 480s. Uh, I, I think maybe even 470 was the 490 was Thermopylae. So 480 would have been like Plataea. Does that sound right? Whereas four, maybe four, maybe four ninety was um, marathon. I think it's four eighty sounds more correct. I don't know why I'm not doing this on the computer. <laughs> Would have been. Uh, yeah, so battle of, battle of Plataea is four seventy nine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, four eighty would have been Thermopylae. So yeah. four ninety was probably um, marathon. So the unification of the Persian Empire, uh, just the main things from it, the Royal Road, um, coin money, you know, Lydians had it. They just kind of borrowed that idea and standardized it and made it like mainstream through an entire empire rather than a small area like the Lydians. 
and they had their imperial bureaucracy. We talked about that. That's huge. You're going to see that with China. You'll see it with Rome. You'll see it with a variety of other countries and civilizations we talk about. It's basically you have an emperor. He presides over a, you know, a large area of multiple cultures and peoples, and he breaks that you know, up into a bureaucracy of government workers, you know, governors and so forth. Okay. Yeah. Anytime you have something very complex, uh, breaking into smaller parts makes it more simple to accomplish. And so more hands makes le less work, right? Yep. <laughs> so sometimes, <laughs> sometimes depending on who's helping you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if you have someone else trying to help you tie your shoes, um, while you try to tie your shoes, it's not really going to work too well. So the more hands you get involved in that, the worse it's going to get. Facts. Anytime I try to help my son do anything, uh, it's just better to just let him either let him do it or let me do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, working together. He's too much like me. <laughs> uh, so, I, and so I don't know that I've actually settled on a way to pronounce this. Um, so I have seen, uh, and I've always gone with Zoroastrianism. Yeah. Um, but, but I've heard it pronounced with like the, like the, like a softer, so like Zoroastrianism or, or like Astrianism. I don't oh. know. Um, I guess it's, it's like back to Georgia to Sukulis, right? Where it's, yeah. what, what did it, what did it say? It's like Sukulis, where there's an R in it. It's not even supposed to be. Anyway. Um, but, but I'll stick with Zoroastrianism because that just, that's what it looks like. It should be, yeah, um, which is essentially a religion that's, this is the, the religion of the Persians that so they didn't push it on others. Um, it is kind of what was, what was founded for them or what they followed. Um, but it's founded by the, the prophet of Zoroastrianism, Zoroaster, uh, who was trying to answer, Kind of the the ultimate question for most religions, like why why is there suffering, um, or you know why 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 does everything suck? Uh, you know what can I how can I explain this? And so it, he basically explains it in a duality of good and evil. You've got a, a god who is good and a god who is evil, and they are in constant conflict and competition for um, the attentions and beliefs and souls of those here on earth so uh or mazda and araman or angaramaya uh, are the two gods um and so it's this constant dualist conflict uh between the two so uh he does argue that humans have free will um and that um that the writings, the, the Avestas are basically how you should, you know, try to navigate life in the light of Ahura Mazda, right? In the, in the good side. Um, I think there's also fire is closely associated with uh, Zoroastrianism. I remember when, remember when Game of Thrones was a thing? Um, I remember, I remember I was reading, I was reading something about when George R. R. Martin was basically coming up with all the different things, and he he drew a lot of information for like the the Red Ladies and like the Lord of Light from Zoroastrianism. So like the fires and and the sacrifice to fire and all of that uh, was drawn from Zoroastrianism. So I don't know I don't know a whole lot about that aspect of it. 
uh, and it's not a religion that I know a ton about. Um, again, probably ought to rectify that. And I'll probably say that the next time we talk to you, but, um, but if that's the case, if that information is accurate, then so fire would be associated with it as well. That makes sense. Like given like the way the show went about and that aspects of it. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, like cool thing about you know history is that people will use it to create awesome TV shows or movies and things like that. And, you know, they draw ideas from the past. So Um, we kind of already went over that religious tolerance, royal robe, bureaucracy, Zoroastrianism. Yeah, about the only thing added in there is the Zoroastrianism. Yeah, freedom of women in Persian culture too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's yeah, and and their culture. I think we might talk about this when we did the, the when we did slash do the episode on Greece. Um, I think we talked about Persian women as it related to like Alexander and how like the uh, his wife uh, Roxanne was Persian. Mm-hmm. And and just kind of like how she was a, a presence at court and and had that um, the the confidence and ability and and the feeling of freedom to behave that way uh, was not something that the Greeks were necessarily used to, um, and that was something that was well established in Persian culture. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Moving on to the Phoenicians. Now they are not in, they're in Mesopotamia, but they're kind of on the eastern edge of the Mediterranean, yeah. which is on the western edge of Mesopotamia. So we kind of include them in this. Um, but they're unlike their fellow Mesopotamian civilizations because they're not warlike. They're more concerned about trading. They're all over the Mediterranean. Any of the port cities that you see in the Mediterranean, you know, they are founded by these Phoenician people that they're not mm-hmm. like, they're not like this Phoenician empire where they're, you know, looking to kill people. They're just looking to trade and make money and do their own thing really. Um, but they're known for their shipbuilding, their seafaring. They'll pretty much own the Mediterranean and we'll talk about them. Um, I, yeah, well, we'll talk about them in here in a second, but what they'll eventually become into Um, They'll sail beyond the Straits of Gibraltar. If you don't know where Gibraltar is, it's where Africa and Europe meet by uh, Spain and uh, what's the country there that's today? Morocco. Morocco. I'll say some of the name. That's definitely one place I want to go to. The Pillars of Hercules is the name from antiquity. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm thinking when we go to Spain... I know we start in southern Spain. That's this coming summer, I think. I don't. I don't know. I'm actually not sure. I don't know if we'll venture over that We've way. We've got to be able to just hop a boat. Be so I mean, nice. it's so close. Yeah, it really is. There's no way that there's. I mean, it's. It would almost be like like um like going from like Ireland to Northern Ireland. You know, there's not really like a customs or anything like that because you're essentially in the same country, even though it's yeah. governed by a different group of people. I wonder if because of that close. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Um, but they are known for their purple dye. And as we'll study throughout this course, purple is a significant color. Purple is the color of royalty. It doesn't have the same significance that it does today because colors in clothing and so forth are very easy to come by. At this point, very cheap to come by. But at ancient times, 
purple was the color of wealth and royalty and the process was you know getting that snail right it's a snail mm -hmm. and like i don't know the exact whole process to it so i don't think it's something he's just grabbing a snail and just like coloring it but <laughs> there's like, like a highlighter <laughs> <laughs> um, i'm sure there's something was soaking the threads for multiple Probably hours has something to do so. with like the shells or something i don't know yeah i, I remember know. watching a video a couple of years ago on it but i don't know any more than that but i do know that it is a color that was significant then mm. um and they were the prime people for that that sold that and made that well even earlier when we were talking about the the persians i i think i said born to the purple yeah uh, you did, i was yeah. talking about like uh, how cyrus was not or or whatever but that born that phrase born to the purple uh, born into a ruling class a wealthy class and that's because you could you could afford this purple dye yeah, and that's one thing too. Like, if you heard somebody say that but didn't know the context, you'd probably think that person's like an idiot. Born to the purple, that doesn't make yeah. any sense. Like, you have like you're the one that doesn't understand, and that's that's another thing. The more information you know, the better off you're going to be, and you'll be able to make sound decisions and understand things when people say that immediately. Um, I mean, even even us. I mean, we still google a lot of the stuff that we don't know right yeah, we spent half we the episode know. doing that yeah i know and that's, <laughs> you know, and that's the thing that's... so we can hopefully get it to stick you know long term we don't have to do that but it's it's a process that will never end you know mm -hmm. the you just want to when you're in public and when you're in a space that you're communicating with people you don't want to have to to google everything like you can't sit in an interview and have your phone out and just google every question that they have you know mm -hmm. you just have to know it right um but anyways, back to the Phoenicians, they'll establish their capital in Tyre, uh, Tyre, whatever you want to call it. And that's on the eastern side of the Mediterranean, the very edge there towards Mesopotamia. But they'll set up colonies all over the place. One of the main ones they'll set up is Carthage, uh, which is where Tunisia is today. And it's right by uh, Sicily, the island of Sicily. And it's very, very close to Rome. And we'll talk about that in a later episode when we talk about Rome and Carthage and the Punic Wars. And they'll have a power struggle, like superpowers of the day. Basically, if you know Russia and America went to war with one another, that's pretty much what's going on in mm -hmm. this ancient battle. You have anything over something crazy small. Russia and the US go to war over the Kodiak Islands <laughs> off the coast of Alaska. Territory must be reclaimed. Well, it would be the Illusion Islands, wouldn't it be? One of the islands is Kodiak. Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah. always just call them the Kodiak Islands. They're the Illusion the Islands. Illusion. And then the only reason they call them the Kodiak Barrier is because there's, the bear is only located on Kodiak. It's like a subspecies. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're like a subspecies of grizzly bear, right? Mm -hmm. They're just like a, yeah. Oh. I almost said, the, I don't know why they call it the camera, but that's Kodak very different <laughs> it's late it's late we can you can that. only take pictures of kodiak bears <laughs> only, kodiak. only only Eating in the kodiak cakes. <laughs> yes um, but the phoenicians you know they had these the shipbuilding the sailing the trading like the world's best traders and they're trading all these different products but what is what they're known for is their alphabet um do you want to take it from here? Just yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, so when you when you are learning a language, when especially English, we use this a lot. When you're studying the sounds that um, that these letters make or, or words, how, how to pronounce them and how the, the sounds are generated by combining different letters. That's the study of phonics. And we call it phonics because of the Phoenicians. They're the ones who develop uh, this, this original alphabet. And so an alphabet's different than any of these written languages. When we talk about like the Sumerian cuneiform or um, the hieroglyphics for Egypt, whatever might be the, the seals in India, um, when we get there, um, whatever it might be, those are, those are pictographs. They might have sounds associated with them. You might be able to make different words by combining them together, but they're not an alphabet because they're not universally interchangeable. Um, so with the, with like our alphabet, for example, um, it's, it's why the game Scrabble works, right? So you can, you can shake up a bag of just individual letters, uh, and make words out of them. If you tried to play Scrabble with hieroglyphics, it wouldn't work. Uh, or the same thing with <laughs> that would be intense. I would, what, I would wouldn't it? Funny. Wouldn't it be? Yeah. Oh man, uh, yeah. Because but with so hieroglyphics, right? The the individual image represents something, and then when com, con, in, in connection with something else, it makes something completely different. Um, plus, it has its own sound that it changes completely next to something else. Ours don't do that much, right? Like you have kind of like hard and soft sounds for each letter but they don't change the structure of the word entirely. That's why you can see things like if you read older uh, documents from, you know, well, even, even other um, English speaking countries, but older documents from say um, the United States, the early founding of the United States, you'll see where they spelled things differently. They'll use Y's where we don't use Y's anymore. Um, or they'll, they'll include an S somewhere that we don't use it or use. So, they do this because that's how they wrote it. Uh, we can still read it because we can omit those letters because they don't change the whole meaning of the word just by being there. Uh, if you took a, a word in hieroglyphics and you stuck a random hieroglyph in the middle, you wouldn't be able to read that word anymore because it changes the entire structure of that word. Um, so that's alphabets allow you to, they, they basically give you the tools to build anything uh, in your language. Um, and that's actually why Pretty much everything we've been talking about where we we show you these the pharaoh's names or the the sumerian cities and and whatnot and, and the word sumeria all these things are in our alphabet that's why you can read them hopefully you've been able to follow along with that um but because you can read them because we've constructed them with our alphabet what we've basically done is take the sound of the word from their language and use our letters to mimic what that sound would be like uh so you know akhenaten is not spelled with an a in hieroglyphics he's got uh random i don't even know what his are but he's got random hieroglyphs that represent his name but we can't do that we can't just mix we can't just throw a couple uh letters in there and have it work we would have to use our letters to construct that sound or reconstruct it and that's how our language works um but it allows our, it obviously, as you can tell, there's a lot of flexibility there. So we can do that with pretty much anything. We can create new words for new things. We do it all the time. Unfortunately, we get some some real interesting ones out there. But there, we are making new words um, to evolve with us. Uh, our language grows and evolves with us. Yeah, it's just really interesting, you know, that when new concepts and new creatures and new anything we just have to make up a word for it and you know and 
I think that's called like Scrabble. I, I like that uh, way of describing it. Yeah, Scrabble. that wasn't on the that wasn't on the spot one. I'm going to use Good, that. I like but that. Yeah, I think the I think the word for that is philology. Philology. Speaking, yeah, talk about making up words. Philology is the branch of knowledge that deals with the structure, historical development, and relationships of languages and language. So how language and, and words are constructed. The study of is philology, if you're interested. Philology, philology study of words. Gotcha. You get to then tell people you're a philologist or and philologist. let them try to figure out what that means. Well, you may be a dinner party. They're sitting there like, is that the same thing as a phlebotomist? Well, if you said if you made up, you technically wouldn't be wrong, right? Because not. philologists, like they're words and a philologist is a word so the word is made how that i wonder what the what the roots of that are because i'm thinking like philo is love the love of making words it really it really might (laughs) boil down to that uh philologia which is greek for oh so philologia is greek for love of learning translates to the french and then ology is study of so it's the study of the love of learning in this case i guess it learning languages specifically yeah um yeah that's interesting because there's nothing really in the word that identifies it as being about language um yeah what's to say it really isn't even separated from like philosophy other than the sophos part wisdom and learning i guess is where the difference is that's what i'm gonna go with I don't know. They are uh, the first people to create an alphabet, mm-hmm. which is huge, as Mr. Woods described. Oh, that is all of the Mesopotamian civilizations that we talked about. Uh, we talked about a good bit of them. Um, thank you for joining us in this uh, probably one of our longest podcasts. Yes, it, I mean, I'm sure. I think I'm, so. I'm sure we're uh, we're well but in over an hour at this point. To be fair. To be fair, um, there's a lot of civilizations that we talked about, and I think that's an appropriate amount of time. For... I mean, normally we spend an hour or so on one, and we covered like seven. So yeah, when, you, yeah. when you divide that out, you can listen into this. This is an episodic episode. Mm-hmm. You can listen to it in pieces, self, self-standing pieces. So yeah, I, mean, I don't think we should feel bad about this. No, no, definitely not. Be very proud. Proud. <laughs> All right. Um This has been In the Back Room. I'm Mr. Shank. And I'm Mr. Woods. And the cause of fear is ignorance. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.